Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi guys, welcome to the Macros Bodybuilding and Powerlifting Podcast. We're getting towards episode 10, we're almost in double figures, uh, which is pretty exciting. I'm glad it's kept consistent. I hope you guys are enjoying these. So today I wanted Mark to kind of host it because this is, we try and make this more of a discussion, but it ends up kind of one person trying to guide things. And so I've done the last few reigns today. So uh, go for it, Mark. Yeah, cheers, Steve. Um, so yeah, just like Steve says, every week we try and come on and discuss something of value to people uh, for you guys to listen to. And it's usually kind of based around a topic that's doing the rounds on either Facebook or any kind of social media time. Um, so what I thought we could talk about today was um, supplementation. And just because I get this kind of questions a lot, and I'm pretty sure Steve will get these types of questions a lot as well. Um, just general people looking to, one, find out a little bit more about what supplements to take, what supplements maybe to not bother with, um, and the kind of common ones that we would typically recommend our clients to to at least find out a little bit more for themselves um, if that was something that they were to consider. Uh, the first one that I'd like to to talk about, um, and Steve, I'll ask you about this, is um, just because I know that it was a question that we received in the group just recently. And it was a question whether or not BCAAs um, were worth considering as part of a, a kind of overall diet. Um, and, I, and I think the post was kind of specifically geared towards um, a gaining phase. So should you be taking BCAAs as an extra supplement while gaining muscle? What would your thoughts be and how would you deal with that if a client asked you that question? So I think it's important, like you said, that um, the, the client or the person you're talking to understands what a supplement is initially. So they realize that their final importance in terms of calories, macros, nutrient timing, food composition, they have to realize that whatever the supplement they're even looking towards is going to be that cherry on top of an amazing cake. Um, and then also look into it themselves and actually uh, examine.com is a great place for themselves to actually educate themselves on. But that would be less for a client because obviously we're trying to shortcut things. So in terms of BCAAs, and from the literature I've read, from the experts I've followed, it becomes kind of something you do not need if you hit your other priorities in, in the building block. If you've got essentially your total protein levels hit, you're getting BCAAs. Um, BCAAs are the building blocks to protein. And so if you're eating enough total protein, then the benefit of additional BCAAs aren't really warranted. Um, I know when you're cutting, there's people who suggest that they could become beneficial, like I'm sure Lane Norton, he's a big, big fan of BCAAs, Brad Schoenfeld, not so much, Alan Aragon, not so much. And I kind of go along the side of, still, I'm not that big a fan. 
I'd prefer to see people getting it through whole foods that are going to fill them up more. You save very negligible calories through not having the carbohydrates and things. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, especially when you're in a gaining phase, when protein's not even as as high in importance and you're not likely to lose any muscle mass from yeah. Um, yeah. even not having sufficient if protein levels are hit, then BCAAs basically mean jack. I won't say the last word. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I like that. And um, yeah, I think it's just one of the things um, when when everyone starts to go into the gym for the first time, or even people who have come, come back from a longer layoff and they're trying to pick it up again, um, and they're sorting out their calories, they're sorting out their macros, one of the things that they, they first see is um, protein is important in a, in a diet when building muscle, so now we need all the protein, and I'm even going to supplement with some extra protein, um, BCAs. And yeah, I think you're you're absolutely spot on about um, a, a diet being sufficiently high in protein. And, and even when we say sufficiently high in protein, what we're saying is like sufficiently high for that individual, for that current goal or training block or period of time. Uh, yeah, they're going to be getting all their protein requirements. Um, and yeah, supplement with BCAs. And it's just, it's it's also important to know that, you know, they are just three of the nine essential uh, amino acids. Um, and along with the kind of pricey cost, um, yeah, not probably something that I would recommend. And yeah, I'd go along with what you said on, on that as well. Um, I think, I was just going to say, I've only, I've actually had BCAAs um, because I was completely clueless. And I think a lot of people don't even realize their protein. Um, they just think they're something aside from protein. They don't realize they're building blocks towards protein. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't cover the whole range of aminos. And I could see there being a time where BCAAs become more beneficial for maybe someone like a vegetarian who doesn't necessarily get a, a whole range of protein sources, where it's like, obviously, meats have like the full range of yeah. like it's high quality protein source whereas a vegetarian if they don't eat a lot of dairy and eggs or even maybe a vegan who doesn't have it at all um they might not get high quality and so it might be beneficial there but still like you're pulling at strings and in reality the only way i could find it being beneficial was i used to like drinking extend during my workouts because it was sweet and tasted amazing and then i just substitute it for squash um, in that case, anyway. Well, that, that's actually a good point. I mean, I guess if if people just really like, if people can afford to have it, and they just really like the taste of it, and it makes them some somehow have have a, have a better time in the gym, or or yeah, I, I think you're not going to have any detriment to taking it. Um, so yeah, but one of the one of the favourites. Um, and that's a question that, that I get asked quite a lot. It's always the BCAs. Um, I've never actually had them myself. Uh, it's, it's one thing. I've done every supplement in the world at one point, for sure. Um, but for some reason, I, I don't know why, I've never supplemented with, with BCAs. Even when um, not so long ago there was just a boom in the gym and everyone was like, popping tablets halfway through their workout or every set of them slamming a BCA tablet. Um, just to, you know... To prevent any, you don't want to go catabolic, I suppose. <clears throat> so yeah, on on the topic of of supplements. So if you were to start a client from scratch, 
Um, whether it was a total beginner client or a slightly advanced client just looking to get the most out of their training, um, what kind of supplements would you suggest they at least look into to maybe as a coverall basis um, or just to try and get some some benefits out of them? So I think for, I kind of separate them into, although they kind of they cross parts like health and then performance, like ergogenics, sports supplements. Um, so if I cover health, which I think are actually probably more important and will effectively help performance in the end, uh, I do like to see if someone is in a calorie deficit and they're probably not getting sufficient micronutritional, maybe they're missing out on areas, I do like to suggest maybe having a multivitamin. I think that's beneficial and I never suggest like a ludicrous expensive one. All of these supplements that you'll find are cheap, which is great. Um, and they're always recommendations, like diet always comes first, like we said, get your priorities right and supplementations. Um, I do personally supplement with omega-3s and I recommend other people do as well, just because they are so essential and so great for brain function, amongst other things, to reducing inflammation, and they've even been held, like, found to help with fat loss somehow, obviously the calorie deficit, the main thing to do, take that, but... Omega-3 is definitely a big one to take if you don't eat sufficient fatty fish. I think it's kind of two decent-sized portions of fish a week should cover bases. But if you're getting that, then three to, I think it was three to six kind of average-sized omega-3 tablets kind of covers you if you don't have the omega-3s um, from your diet. So a multivitamin, omega-3s, and then vitamin D3. Uh, another good one if you don't get a lot of sunlight or if it's winter and some people get really badly affected when they don't get enough sun. I've had clients that actually have, they before they even came to me, they're like, I go and go on sunbeds during uh, winter because I get depressed if I don't get enough sunlight. Yeah. Um, and so many people work indoors nowadays. So I personally supplement with vitamin D3 as well. So just get these from Kund. Uh Take two of them, maize. And that covers my bases. I think it's about 4,000 IU. I know there's a lot of that you can, there's quite a big range in terms of vitamin D3 to how much I can take. Uh, but I generally go to examine.com for that sort of thing. So I think for health, that really covers your bases for the most part. Um, I know some people look into taking like iron vitamins, maybe females could look into that one. Uh, calcium could be something that you want to look into if you don't have enough dairy, but those would be more kind of on an individual basis in terms of that context of that client. But yeah. most clients could do the omega-3, multivitamin, vitamin D. Uh, and then for performance, obviously coffee, well, caffeine, um, can be a, a, a big help for many, many reasons. Um, satiety, for energy during the day and concentration, just maybe at work. Um, and then obviously performance, it can kind of reduce perceived exertion levels, can improve kind of um, your ability to endure exercise and get more out of your workout i know for sure i'm feeling tired and down it can definitely give my work workouts a boost um it also increases your ability uh, like your thermogenesis increases slightly so your metabolic rate sorry increases like by a very small amount from having it so a lot of fat loss supplements contain these tons of caffeine and like boost your metabolic rate by a small amount but like it makes you very dependent on it you feel like awful um and then the only other one really is creatine monohydrate. Five grams of creatine year round, every day. 
Um, creatine monohydrate is, or creatine pure even would be a, a higher quality source. Um, just to, it does so many other health benefits as well. Like this is why the two cross paths, but boosting your ability to well, perform high kind of intensity exercise. So sprinters would benefit, powerlifters benefit, bodybuilders benefit, most strength athletes benefit from creatine. Um, and then potentially you could look into maybe citrulline malate that has shown to improve like pumps and endurance during workouts, pre-workouts, kind of an acute response. And then better alanine, another one, if you're doing kind of more endurance repetitions, metabolite training, lots of pump work, that could be inter introduced. But it's the, the, the benefits from even those two are going to be very small. So really when it comes to sports performance, I think I just strongly hold to creatine and caffeine and not, not much else. Um, how about yourself, Mark? Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I, I actually, um, just, just the same. I, I agree completely with that. Um, um, I think what you were saying about the what you were saying, um, beta alanine and uh, citrulline malate is is just to recognise that these types of supplements might be slightly beneficial to people who are just trying to get that absolute maximum out of their training, and. Um, for again, when we talk about just you know general population, people just wanting to lose a little bit of fat, gain a little bit of muscle, um, it's not necessarily something that you have to go straight off the bat um, spend money on. Because as you rightly said, you can't become dependent on these things. Um, and I've I've had clients who have literally had a worse workout or a, a bad workout because they haven't been able to get their, their pre-workout um whatever it was um, and just talking about pre-workouts and caffeine would you ever suggest clients maybe have spells away from taking pre-workouts away from taking caffeine as a pre-workout supplement would you cycle it or how, how do you advise clients um looking at their kind of overall and their long-term performance benefits so I think with caffeine, it, it, you're completely right. People come dependent on it and they literally are like, oh, if I don't get my pre-workout in, I'm going to have an awful workout. Well, a lot of people don't even realize they take their pre-workouts completely wrong. Um, the fact that caffeine actually takes a while to kick in, it doesn't just kick in straight away. I believe it's like half an hour. So people take their pre-workout literally like, and then they hit the gym. And it's like, well, that doesn't kick in like maybe till halfway through your workout, nearly at the end. I'm so glad you brought When you already knackered it. Yeah, yeah. So I do actually, I think a lot of the time they just see a benefit because of the, the flavor, like um, taking BCAAs during the workout, they kind of just get that tastes nice and they kind of get a, a boost from that. I know personally that did me through prep, kind of just having maybe like, I had a monster sometimes during my workouts just because it was like sweet and I was like, oh, that's giving me like fake energy. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of caffeine, maybe like caffeine periodization, you could call it. I think for serious clients, it's definitely something they should consider because caffeine's so powerful, but you do become like desensitized to it essentially from more use, or at least in my experience and from what I've seen, that seems to be what happens with most people. Um, and different people can tolerate different amounts. So I do like people to maybe not take pre-workouts or at least definitely not rely on them during phases where maybe they're gaining weight because you're eating plenty of food, you shouldn't be low on energy. Um, 
in periods where maybe it's like the first week of your new training block, there should be no re or deloads. People yeah. taking pre-workouts during deloads does my head in. I'm just like, <laughs> you do not need more energy during your deload. Like, well, you're going in there and doing nothing anyway, really. So in general, I like people to kind of dial it down maybe to a coffee a day and then during their kind of overreaching weeks, maybe then add in a pre-workout. And yeah. then during their gaining phases, don't rely on it so much. And during cutting phases and as you get in deeper, you can increase the amount of caffeine you're taking and you'll get more and more benefit from it because obviously it has all those the extra thermic effects as well and it gives you kind of the fake energy. Um, we can really benefit you. But again, that's for people who take it really seriously. Um, I mean, for myself, I could, I, I can't live without a coffee a day and I love coffee so much and I decaf. Whoever says decaf tastes the same, it does not at all. Um, I can't cut it out, but I know some people like they're cut out, they're going to caffeine-free caffeine, caffeine -free beverages. They won't have like chocolate even contains a fair amount of caffeine in. Um, and you can go really extreme if you want to, but I just, I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Um even as as knowledgeable as you, as you are in terms of being able to advise that and that you might get more out of your caffeine if it was kind of periodized in some way you've got to people have got to remember as well as you know what do we get most enjoyment out of um and the trade-off is that yeah we might be able to have that um greater effect from caffeine every six weeks but i want to drink it every day um in, and I'll, I'll happily not have that little extra uh, kick that I'll give me every six weeks if I was periodizing it. So yeah, you've got to, um, if you enjoy it then, of course. And like you said, I actually don't drink coffee. Um, I think I'm the only, I seem to be the only, and I, I know you remind me of this all the time, <laughs> um, but I am the only, or seem to be the only fitness professional um, in the world that doesn't drink coffee. Um, which is kind of strange. I'm more of a tea man. Is that weird? I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I used to hate coffee. Or I, I just want to take the piss out of you right now. I, I, my head is, I'm not so much like that. I am very much like, I take everything seriously. So I'm like, no, of course, having coffee is not a problem. So why would you ever think that? Tea is absolutely fine. Um, I mean, I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hay fever's coming. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm going to apologize for that. I, I do, um, I have had a bad week on hay fever. Um, I don't know whether coffee could sort that out. Maybe I'll have to give it a try. So, yeah, um, and obviously, um, so, go, so go back to how we, we, we advise clients, um, particularly new people starting up. Um, what about populations? I, I know you mentioned people who, might need um, like more calcium, uh, iron in the body. Would there ever be a time that you said to clients that they might find that talking to uh, a doctor or a proper registered dietitian at some point, rather than taking advice from even not just ourselves as coaches, but like mainstream media and social media or newspapers or any clients that you would recommend maybe have to push towards registered qualified dietitians or doctors for their 
own circumstance with uh, with supplements. Yeah, it's interesting you say that actually because I have people come to me and they maybe are already taking medication, which in a sense I guess is kind of like a supplement from their doctors. So I've had people come to me, maybe they're on diuretics because they're holding on to water or they're on kind of maybe even birth control or any sort of supplement or medication like this and they kind of say, I'd really not like, I'd prefer not to have to take this. Can you advise me what to do? And I'm just like, no, this is out of my scope of practice. Like, you can tell them what you're doing diet-wise and exercise-wise, what we're doing, and whether that means you can come off it. Um, but I can't advise you to not take it. Like, maybe a testosterone replacement therapy. Like, I wouldn't tell someone, okay, yeah, now you've got your exercise and training in order, your diet in order. Like, you don't need to say that anymore. It, it's not. It's out of our scope of practice. I think that's really important. Um, with the whole supplementation side, we can. Rec- I think recommending is is okay. But we can't be like, yeah, you have to take this, especially with those like tiny details of supplements. So an example of where maybe a calcium supplement becomes important is especially maybe a female who is dieting, who doesn't really, or maybe is lactose intolerant potentially, that would be then be a case where they're like, okay, calcium would be a good idea for you to take. Um, and in situations like that, it most of the time diet does cover your back. Uh, especially like if they're maintaining or gaining weight then you can pretty much rely on the fact that you you're advising them to eat uh, 80% wholesome minimally processed diet plenty of fruit and veg but something like dairy could go amiss if they're dieting and things like that um it really becomes like yeah again a case-by-case situation and actually I've got a question for you Mark in terms of I don't know if you keep an eye on the supplementation research much or just have seen any supplementation research or interesting things that have come out recently. I know I saw, well, it, it wasn't that recent, but I don't know if you've seen anything by, I think it's Jacob Wilson on HMB um, being better than steroids apparently. I don't know if you saw that study or <coughs> have you heard anything about betanine? I think it's betanine. I did just recently. Um, I think... Greg Knuckles shared the article. Um, could be wrong. I, I have, I have, I know what you're talking about. I know the study you're talking about. Um, I haven't looked into it much, to be honest myself. Um, but yeah, that's um, what. What What did you think of it when you? Um, I'm sure it was was it Greg Knuckles who shared, shared that uh, study. So yeah, it was it was Greg Knuckles who I think he he shared it basically. I, I the long and short of what I've gathered from it, and I, it's been present like been presented in other conferences I've been to is the study showed that people taking HMB actually ended up seeing better like muscle growth results than people taking steroids, which is ludicrous um, because it just makes no sense at all. Because and this is an example I kind of wanted to bring up. So that when people hear this, they're like, okay, if something ludicrous comes out in the news or they see a study and it just sounds completely like, how could that even happen? Like someone's gained a kilo of muscle in a calorie deficit or, or taken a supplement and they gained a kilo of muscle in a week. Something like that. Something ludicrous where like, okay, HMB is steroids. Um, they really need to question it and whether they like, look into how the methods were done, things like that, or even just 
reach out to someone who they respect um, and ask them, like, is this right? Does this seem right to you? Because they'll obviously um, be able to look into the research maybe in a better way that they can. Absolutely. I think, I think that's, that's super important with any um, research, actually. Um, rather than, because what you typically get is um, a research paper comes out or somebody shared a research paper and the conclusion might be something like uh, 10 active females lost X amount of weight uh, during the week on 2,000 calories or, or whatever it may be. Um, in, and that, that's probably a bad example. But what I'm trying to get at is the, this, the conclusions from the studies looks looks fantastic and it catches everybody's eye. But when you delve into it and you start to read the paper, um, you know, things like um, proteins not matched, um, energy expenditures not matched in some of these studies. And um, you've got to... You've got to really be careful um, not just to take a conclusion or abstract away um, because that's where um, I think it's unintentional. I don't think people I don't think people intend to, to necessarily spread bad information, but that is certainly a way that it does happen in terms of people just taking the wrong conclusion because they haven't taken the time to, to read or understand the, the context of that study. Um, and it can be very, very, very easily misinterpreted. Um, you've got to, you've got to know all the variables, especially in weight loss diets or or weight loss studies. You know, were these were these subjects on equal amount of calories? Were was protein matched? Was energy expenditure the same? And and it goes on. Um, so yeah, great point. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm and that's why. That's right. <laughs> and that that's. That's actually why we can't actually recommend many supplements because if there isn't like a large body of evidence all pointing in one direction to say, yay, it does provide a benefit, then we can't really say. I mean, there could be several studies kind of for and against. They could balance out and equal out. Yeah. Something like creatine monohydrate is one of the most researched sport performance um, supplements out there, and it shows benefit. Like, goes for caffeine omega-3s on balance are positive yeah. um, but there's a lot of supplements out there that get researched and they basically there's there's either like one study saying yeah they're amazing and that will get put out into the press and everyone will go bonkers over it and what they realizes is that the full body of evidence isn't support in support um, yeah. I'm even actually writing an article at the moment and I'm telling people like creating monohydrate take five grams daily doesn't matter what time you take it Apart from, there is one study that does say if you take it post-workout, you see slightly better results. And I'm saying this is one study. If it's convenient to take it post-workout, you could try it. But I'm not going to say it's going to make life-changing results because it's one study. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it would be so easy for that one study to hit mainstream and then everyone's taking creatine post-workout. And sometimes... At their inconvenience, it might be inconvenient for people to take creatine post-workout, yet they'll still try and do it. Um, and just talking about creatine, so um, because that, that's one supplement that we've, that we've mentioned quite a lot. And um, would you, would you ever recommend clients um, 
go through a loading phase of creatine or would you ever say to take the foot off the gas and go through periods of not taking it or would you say that just taking it consistently you know, three to five grams a day is probably the most beneficial for most people so i think loading i think a lot of people get miss i think this there's a camp that think loading is absolutely necessary and they're going to see better results via loading i think there's then a camp that's like loading is completely a waste of time and it's useless but like most things there's a shade of gray in the middle uh, and loading in in a very small number of cases i've got to admit could be beneficial um with creatine i, I know you know mark is the, the point is you're just trying to top up your natural stores because it is like an, an energy store that allows for atp and once you've done that you're kind of you're great you just want to sustain that so the benefit of loading it can get you to that point of saturation quicker and then you'd switch to just taking the three to five grams a day kind of just going along or you could just start taking three to five grams a day um for most people i recommend just the, the five grams a day because generally when you load you see quicker water retention coming on because yeah. with creatine comes water and for people who some people don't respond well to it in terms of like it causes them gastric upset and they just feel uncomfortable and it can lead into those problems you also waste maybe more money because you're loading on it which is just makes you get through the creatine much quicker which i don't know if it balances itself out in the long run um and then in terms of taking time away from it it's not anything i've seen I've, i think i've seen one person recommend this and i think it's who i really really respect but i've not seen any like solid evidence for reasoning behind that and i think it's more he's looked at things and how it interacts with things and the fact that you could kind of use it to maybe i guess in a sense it might be like when we're doing pump training we fill our muscles with water and that then causes the muscle cell to expand to a point where it thinks it's going to break and so it reinforces itself and grows stronger so that's kind of the mechanism between the pump and hypertrophy so i guess I think I've heard about when you take creatine away and then reintroduce it, the muscle cell then fills with this water again and it could have this effect of muscle hypertrophy. I, for the majority of the people, I just say take three to five grams year round and that's what I do as well because that's what the majority of the experts and from what I've seen in the literature suggest is the main thing to do. Um, how about yourself, Mark? Yeah, I agree um, completely. I think I know who you're talking about actually. and. I tend to, <clears throat> just like with um, with any supplement, I tend to, first of all, look at the kind of body of literature or evidence myself. Um, I've already, by that time, I've already got an idea of how I think it should be implemented. Then I might go and ask the advice of people who are far more knowledgeable than myself, um, because there's plenty of them. And luckily for us, they're kind of they're always open to to help guys like us out. So, um, in in regarding creatine, I think I think it's probably it's the same thing with most things that we should be really focused on is that kind of chronic period of time. Um, you know, once the like you said, once the muscles are saturated, they're saturated. And it's just a case of keeping them topped up. Um, so whether you load creatine or whether you start taking it five five grams a day every day for a period of time. Your muscles are going to get saturated uh, and hopefully they'll stay topped up um, with continued um, supplementation. So, 
yeah, I think it's just that that chronic period of time. Um, and yeah, I, I think I know you've I, I know you've mentioned uh, examine.com already. Um, and I think if anyone's watching this and would like a little bit more information on any supplements that we haven't talked about or something that they've seen, examine.com would be a, a great place or a great resource to start. Um, I know the guys there keep on top of the evidence as best as they possibly can. Um, and that's that's typically where I would get my own um, evidence from or, or information from. So if I've got a client who, who asks me about something and I'm not quite sure, that would be just my first kind of go-to place. Um, and I think it's important to, to say that as well, that we're coaches, but I don't know. I don't know everything about every single supplement in the world, and I don't expect anybody does. Um, I think if we're upfront and honest about that, um, but I think we're in a good place where we can get the information. Um, and then it's just important to know that even the information that we are given, so even the advice that we are given out at the moment on supplementation, is based on the knowledge that we've got like today. Um, the thing is, it's just about being open to whether or not that evidence changes in time. Um, it might not happen, but you know, down the line, it might find that, that creatine has a detrimental effect in the body, and who would have thought it? But as long as you can go along with that evidence and, and kind of adapt as you go, um, not hold a bias to it, um, yeah, just be open and, and know that research is changing all the time. And that's what kind of makes the whole thing so exciting um, in this industry is that there is new evidence coming out all the time. Um, yeah, so... Mark. So, yeah. I've just got a question for you. Um, I think it's actually a great point in terms of the fact that science is ever-evolving and there's no point kind of like, <laughs> oh, creatine works, so it's always going to work things could change, BCAAs could be found to be really, really beneficial or something. But the question I wanted to ask you, Mark, was something I find interesting is that the fact there's people who can be non-responders to creatine. And I personally, if I really honestly, truthfully thought about it, I have no idea if I respond to creatine. I have no idea whether it's giving me benefit. Um, it's such a small amount and I've never really gone away from taking it. And there's so many other variables involved with training performance. I don't know if I'm benefiting from it. Do, like, have you ever actually seen a performance increment, or how do you like, how do you deal with that? It's a great point. It's a very great point. It's an interesting point because I just recently this came to my attention just recently. Actually, I I see I noticed a discussion about this, um, on social media. Um, I don't know if you I don't know if, you, if you've noticed or if it's a coincidence, but yeah, I had never really even thought about it. Um, again, I take creatine just because the research says that it's been shown to um, to be beneficial for the likes of powerlifters, um, bodybuilders, people to get in that like power output, and that's the reason I take it. Now, whether or not I have actually seen noticeable strength gains or performance gains while taking creatine. Um, I don't know. It's, it's I guess it's really hard to measure. Um, I mean, I am supplementing with creatine at the moment, 
as I always have. Um, and in the gym, my performance is the best it's ever been. But, you know, is that just a byproduct of getting stronger and eating more food um, with a little bit more of a smarter training program? Or is it the fact that the creatine is, is in my system? I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, interesting. I guess um, I guess there's no real measure or way of measuring because the, the, I think it's important. Yeah, just to remember, it, it is such a small advantage. All these things are just, as you said, the kind of icing on the cake. If you're strong, you might get a little bit stronger with creatine. It's not like you're going to go from deadlifting 50 kilos to deadlifting 150 kilos. Um, these are these are just very small um, overall kind of performance or health benefits. So to measure it, we can't really measure it. All we can do is advise that it has been shown in controlled studies to have improvements. Um, so if you are a bodybuilder or powerlifter or anyone who takes like resistance training seriously, going by that study, going by that evidence, then it's it's worth considering anyway. I, I, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that would be how I would answer that, I think. Yeah, that's a great point in that you brought it back to the fact that they're the cherry on the top. And so, yeah, you might get a little bit stronger maybe from taking creatine according to the body of evidence. But if you're doing 30 sets, uh, not 30, maybe 30 total reps of bench volume a week, which is nothing, and you increase to 50, you're going to get a lot stronger or a lot more muscle gains than you are from just taking creatine. Um, so like getting your training priorities in place, getting your nutritional priorities in place, supplements always going to give you that, that tiny bit. And I think for me, yeah, it, it's almost impossible to actually measure unless I did a controlled study on myself, uh, which would be very painful and difficult. Uh, I don't know if like a lab to do it at all. In. Um, and so I think the reason it, I feel comfortable in recommending it is it for the majority of the studies have benefit. There's also health benefits to creatine. I think it's like memory and things like that. There's, there's benefits coming out all the time. And then the fact it's just really cheap. Um, mm. If it was very expensive, then the, the cost to benefit ratio would kind of skew quite a lot more. Uh, but the fact it's cheap just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that's, that's probably the case with most of the supplements that we've, recommended today have been that are fairly cost effective they're fairly cheap they're fairly available um it's not going to kind of break the bank it's not going to make or break your diet either um although i would add uh i think when people hear supplement it it, it kind of they shut off a little bit and they just see it as like a, like a bad word almost like i i get a lot of clients who come on board and say I don't want to take supplements. I, w I want to do everything kind of naturally. And um, yeah, I, I get that a lot. Um, you know, supplementation is not a bad thing. Um, like you said, it has not just performance benefits, it's got health benefits as well. So if, you've a, if you're a person who's, who does not like uh, oily fish, you know, won't eat salmon, won't eat tuna or any of these kind of things, then taking omega-3 supplementation is a good idea um yeah so it, it's it, it shouldn't be looked at as some kind of dirty word or, or cheating in any way it can be very very um sensibly placed in a diet 
um, and very beneficial as well. So I think that's important to get across is it's not, supp supplementing is not a, a bad thing necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. And that might sound strange to people watching this because I guess people watching this probably are serious into, into training um, and their nutrition and, and they already maybe are taking some of these supplements. But I do get that quite a lot is um, people who just flat say they don't want to take supplements. Do you get that kind of, pro um, I was going to say problems, it's not a problem. Do you get that kind of client who, who has that kind of opinion? I've definitely had it in the past. Not, not necessarily clients, which is quite lucky. I guess I don't attract that sort of person that would have that view. But I've definitely seen it where people are like, I'm 100% natural, not taking creatine, not taking whey protein, not taking any of these things. And I, I personally don't even really count whey protein as a supplement because although like, obviously it's sold by supplement companies, it's a food. Like whey protein is from milk and it's actually a food. Protein is a macronutrient, it is food. Um, and a lot of these things like creatine is found within foods. It's just not a lot of it. If you don't eat a lot of red meat and you don't eat like a lot of fish that contains creatine, then you're not probably getting enough of it. Absolutely. Same like omega-3, omega it's found within food. Um, and vitamin D actually can be found within food as well. It's natural from the sunlight. Um, and all of these, the, the, the supplements we're getting are naturally sourced from like natural things. So yeah, like you said, they're not, they're, it's kind of like a dirty word. Some people view it as like a dirty word. Some people view it as like a magical thing, whereas actually it's just that little bit of kind of give you that little bit that your diet's not giving you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 funny you mentioned the the, the protein um, because that seems to be um, one of the biggest one. I, I'll get a client who will say, oh, you know, I don't have to take protein shakes. Um, do I? And I think... Again, they see it as almost like, <laughs> I've even had a client asking, um, she said, I, I don't want to take um, whey protein because I don't want to take steroids. And I'm like, wow, okay. When did, oh my God. When did protein become a steroid? So, yeah, it's absolutely right about the, um, about protein being a, a, it is a whole food. It's a natural food. Um, that that I, I would like to see that getting stopped. Actually, is seeing protein as some kind of um, chemical wizardry that people don't want to touch. It, it's a, it's perfectly not. It's in fact, as an amino acid profile, I don't think it could be matched um, with protein. So, I mean, you know, infants' milk is whey protein. It's it's just. If you're looking to if you're looking to introduce a higher protein diet, um, supplementing with whey protein would be a great idea, um, and it is a whole food. I totally agree with that. I, I, I hate seeing that. That's I don't have many bugbears, but that's one for sure. <laughs> the whey protein avoidance camp, definitely. I mean, I think you're probably <laughs> similar to me in the fact that just whey protein in general, it's really cheap, very convenient. There's so many recipes now with like protein, like pro protein mug cakes, um, yeah. like protein fluff. There's so many different things you can do with it. It's very versatile. It's almost like egg whites or eggs in general, but are very versatile, very cheap. 
Yeah. And it's like eggs, it's amino acid profile that like you said is fantastic. Um, I think the only downside maybe to whey protein is the fact, yeah, it's got some, it is the fact that it could maybe not be as high quality as what the, the manufacturer says. And that's a difficult thing. You just have to go with a trusted manufacturer, like a, a trusted producer. Um, and the fact that maybe it has sweetener in it. So if you are having a lot of sweetener from like diet drinks and like whey protein, everything, you're going way overboard. It could like, you could argue that it's maybe not great. Um, but yeah, in general, like whey protein is, I do have clients that are like, oh, I'm having three shakes a day. Is like, I think I should remove one. Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, if you're feeling full and fine off that diet, then three shakes a day, as long as it's like not kind of taking over your diet and you're still getting your fruit and veg in, it's not a problem. Um, yeah. I think a lot of what we've said is, it is finding those supplements that help aid your overall diet. It's never the, they're never the be, be end on end all. They just help with the end all, like the end diet in the end. Absolutely, you you would have to be. I think what people would really want to be doing is focus on their diet as a whole first. Um, try and get their their protein, carbohydrates, and fats from you know these natural whole few uh, whole minimally processed foods if possible. And then if they find that they're lacking or potential for being deficient in any way with any of them, then think about, yeah, um, supplementing with with some of the things that we've spoken about. But just knowing that that is all it is, it does only supplement the diet and it won't necessarily make your diet great um, if you're not kind of focused on the diet as a whole. Awesome. And actually, I think that probably brings us to quite a nice round off close. I think we've been talking for enough time now about supplements, especially considering they are such a small <laughs> area of everything else and people yeah. concentrate on like the bigger picture, the things that are more important. But like Mark just ended there, it's like supplements are supplements. They're exactly what they say on the tin. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else you want to leave with the viewers, Mark, or all good? No, I, I'm good. I think we've... Um... I think we've covered supplements fairly well. I'm nice. going to really try and go and get myself. I've really struggled today. I'm 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 really not well. Um. So hopefully next time we do this, I'm going to be I'm going to be covered. But man, my head's open, so I'm going to go lie down now. Awesome. I'll let you go lie down, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Bye.